Welcome back to episode three of Your Haunted Holiday. I'm Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are going to talk about an extremely grisly story. This is something, Lindsay, that nightmares are truly made of. And as somebody who's been researching this all week, I'm actually happy to get it out of the way because I don't want to think about it anymore. It's quite frankly freaking me out. This is your haunted holiday at the Velisca Axe Murder House. So going into this story, Lindsay, and doing the research, you know, it's not that far from where I live. I live in Omaha, where you used to live. You, of course, live in Atlanta, Georgia now. Um, but people in Omaha talk about the Velisca Axe Murder House a lot because it's so close, and you can easily go there and pay money to, to spend the night um, in the location. But, you know, knowing the name, I assumed there was some kind of axe murder that took place, but I never actually did research into what the full story was until now. But it's, it's way more than, honestly, I had ever anticipated. And like I said at the opening, it's been freaking me out all week long. I am having the hardest time sleeping just thinking about this story. You have a hard time sleeping? <laughs> That's true. That's a really good point. I am such a deep sleeper. Since when? <laughs> well, and part of that too, Lindsay, is as you know, I'm watching our parents' dog this week. So I'm staying at their house and their house in general just kind of freaks me out. It's a little bit, it's, it's not, it's a nice house. Don't get me wrong, but it creeps me out. There's a lot more noises in this house than my house. There's a lot of open spaces in different little rooms where I feel like somebody could hide um, and you'll know why that's terrifying in a little bit when you hear this story but yeah I just had the hardest time sleeping this week and I think that's that's a big part of it too on June 9th 1912 the Moore family went to a church gathering and this was actually in the evening a lot of people think on a Sunday they're probably going during the day for just a normal church service this was actually a church event it was kind of a year-end summer school type show that they were going to so it was actually later in the evening that they went um, and they saw you know a ton of people there It was supposed to be fun and so the Moore family consists of Josiah Moore is the father Sarah Moore was the mother, and then they had four children, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul. And when they were there, they actually had two friends with them, two little girls that were friends with one of their daughters, and they actually asked the family, hey, do you mind if, you know, your daughters stay the night with us? They don't want to walk all the way back to your house. We'll have them back in the morning. No big deal. And they said it was fine. So those two girls, Lena and Ina, actually... Um, went back to the, the Moore home with them to stay the night that night. And everything seemed normal. The following morning, a neighbor who lived directly next door noticed, and this is pretty early. I, I think she was out at like 6 or 7 a.m. and noticed nobody had been 
moving around the house. You know, at this time they had livestock, they had horses, they had chickens on the property. And usually they're up pretty early and they're taking care of those animals and doing things around the house. So the neighbor thought it was highly unusual that she hadn't heard anything, she hadn't seen them come out. So pretty early in the day, about 7 a.m., she actually gets a little, you know, like, what is going on here? This is very strange. So she calls uh, one of the more family members that doesn't live in the house. I think it was actually Josiah's brother and said, hey, I've been knocking on the door. I haven't been able to get anybody to answer. The door's locked. Would you be able to come over and check in? So sure enough, this family member came over, got a key, went in the house, went into the guest bedroom, which was actually downstairs, and noticed blood and two bodies in the bed. And at that point, this family member actually stepped out of the house and did not do any further investigating up upon that. They didn't really want to see anything else. They were freaked out, of course. This is a member of their family's home. He tells the neighbor, you need to call the sheriff to get over here right away. The sheriff went into the house and he famously said something to the effect when he came back out of somebody is dead in every bed of the home. And as the sheriff went through the house, he started out in that same guest bedroom and that is actually where they found the Stillinger girls, which were the, the family friends, Lena and Ina, and both of them had been hit with an axe and bludgeoned to death in the face with an axe. Um, and they actually think Lena, who was 12 at the time, the oldest child in the house, was the only one that may have fought back. She did have some defensive wounds. It looked like her body had been moved a little bit. From there, the sheriff went upstairs into the home and went into the parents' room where he discovered Josiah and Sarah Moore in bed again, also with the same bludgeon wounds to their face. Another thing that was interesting that was mentioned in a lot of the reports is the faces of the victims were actually covered after they after the fact. They think that the murderer actually took the sheets or in some cases even items of clothing and put them over the children's and the parents' faces. From there, the sheriff went into the next bedroom, and that's where he found the four children. Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul, the oldest being 11, and the youngest, Lindsay, only five. Oh my gosh. And I can tell you something. So this is eight people in this home, two adults and six children, that were brutally murdered. They don't think that they were awake. They don't really know that anybody heard anything other than Lena, the um, the girl in the guest room that they think may have reacted, but they, they still don't even know. So they think that this guy just did it in their sleep. And, and honestly, I'm a true crime lover. I listen to all kinds of true crime podcasts, and I do not remember hearing something recently that is this brutal. Yeah, I agree. It's pretty, pretty awful. That's a lot of people. Did they, so they said the door was locked and the neighbor couldn't get in. So how did the killer get in? Did they, did they have any evidence or 
So that's an interesting question. So they don't actually know exactly how the killer got in. When when you do research on this, um, there's a couple different theories. The main theory that I've seen is that the killer, while they were actually at the Sunday service at church, because it was in the evening, got into their home and actually hid in the attic of the home, which is upstairs and kind of in between the two bedrooms of the parents and the kids. And they think that he actually was hiding out in there. And one report I read is they think that because they actually found two cigarette butts in that attic that they thought were fresh and they think he was just kind of waiting out. And the idea of this man with an axe hiding out in the attic is so scary because again, like I said, I follow all this true crime stuff and it reminds me of the BTK killer and some of the murders that he did, which were very different. He wasn't bludgeoning people to death with an axe, but also very, very gruesome and in, in some cases killing entire families, but also hiding out in somebody's house. So that's why I've been getting particularly freaked out because I'm like, I better check every closet, I, you know, everywhere just in case, but still really, really scary. Right. So this was, this was way back. This is over a hundred years ago. What type of evidence did they have to lead them to a, to a suspect? So they did have some evidence out there. And, you know, again, one thing that I did see is if this were to happen today, they probably would have easily found out who the killer was. Um, But back in those days, obviously in 1912, they're a little bit limited. So one thing that was interesting is the ax itself that was used was actually left in the house. And it looked like somebody tried to messily wipe it down, but didn't really do a particularly good job of that. And next to the ax, and the ax was actually found in the guest room uh, downstairs. And next to that same axe was two pounds of bacon wrapped in cloth sitting next to the axe. And people don't really know what this bacon was sitting there for. A lot of people think he was probably just planning on taking that with him when he left the home, but forgot to grab it on his way out. There's another theory that I am not going to say here because it is really disgusting. And if you're interested, feel free to look it up. But we're not going to talk about it here because it grossed me out the second that I heard it. The other thing that the person did, so they did find the cigarette buds. They also found a bowl of water in the kitchen that looked like the guy kind of tried to wash his hands in this in this bowl of water and a half-eaten plate of food. So this guy hung around for a little while, Lindsay. He didn't just murder people and then try to run out of the house as fast as he could. No, he hung out, he washed his hands, he grabbed some bacon, he he tried to clean this axe, he had some food from the fridge. So he was not in any kind of rush. They also say that they found um, axe marks in the walls and the ceiling of the home as well. And some people say they think it was the upswing of the axe before he actually bludgeon somebody and keep in mind they weren't just hit with the axe once the parents alone were hit in the face with the axe 20 to 30 times each so it was overkill 
that he was doing, especially to the parents. My understanding is the parents suffered a lot more um, of the hits to the head. He also, which is really weird, is went through the drawers and actually found clothing so that he could cover all the mirrors in the house. And it makes me wonder, was he, you know, just didn't want to see his own reflection for some reason and deciding to cover the mirrors? That was something really odd that they discovered there as well. You also mentioned, Lindsay, that the doors were locked and the family member actually had to get a key in order to get into the house. They say that the killer actually took the keys to the home when they left and locked the doors, which is why the doors were locked when they tried to, to go in and see what was going on. So that's really the story. Very tragic. Just a crazy, crazy story that something like that could happen. But that in mind, there are numerous theories on who could have done something like that. If you go online, I'm not gonna go through all of the different suspects, but there were quite a few. There was one suspect in particular that actually did go to trial. Um, they say that he was a reverend named Kelly, and he was a traveling preacher that would go to different churches. And this preacher actually happened to be at that church service the night of June 9th when the family was there. And he actually left the following day, so the day, you know, the bodies were discovered at about 5 a.m. via train, and some of the travelers that were on that train with him claimed that he said to them, there's eight dead souls back in Villisca. This is all hearsay, you know, who knows? Because at the time, this story went crazy. I mean, this was a nationwide story. So you know how it is sometimes when people talk and they're like, oh, I heard this or I heard that, and it turns into this game of telephone. There's nothing out there that really says that for sure. But people say that he said that, and that was before the bodies were actually discovered a few hours later. This man, Reverend Kelly, um, was actually known to be a peeping Tom. He was arrested previously for writing lewd letters to women, and he spent time in a mental hospital prior to this. So I feel like he's kind of a good subject. On top of that, he actually confessed to the crime. He was taken into questioning by police, and he confessed and signed his confession. So they took him to trial, and apparently the jury noticed there was some bruising on his face. And this was a small man. Apparently he was only about 5'2", 120 pounds. And they thought there is no way that this tiny man actually did this crime. So they thought that the confession was coerced and they acquitted him. We still don't know who it is. The other theory that I think is really, really interesting is apparently around this time frame at the turn of the century, along the Southern Pacific Railroad tracks, the towns that are kind of along that, there were a number of axe murder killings. And they think that maybe it was a serial killer that just kind of went along the railway system got out of the train at different towns and kind of picked his mark and then proceeded to murder people with an axe because there were some some other murders that were pretty close in relation i would say so i'm not a criminologist or anything like that but 
you know, I definitely listen to a lot of true crime stuff as well. And this kind of, to me, sounds more like a serial killer type of person who, you know, it doesn't seem like someone who potentially knew them, even though that's usually the most likely case. This just seems so unusual. You don't see a lot of cases like this where you have whole families murdered. Yeah, but to that point too, Lindsay, it also seems to be kind of a very personal crime. Like, I'm very conflicted on this too because it's so personal that he actually hit the parents more times than the kids. It's very much a violent overkill, which to me says they had some kind of vendetta, but it, it is interesting to think about. I wonder what an FBI profiler would say today about who they think would meet the profile of the type of person that would do this. This is Lisa, and are you ready to embark on the adventure of a lifetime? You've heard me delve into the world of haunted travel, exploring eerie locations, and uncovering spine-chilling tales. And now I'm thrilled to announce the launch of something very special to me, which is my own travel agency, brought to you by Your Haunted Holiday. As our listeners know, I'm not just passionate about haunted travel, I live and breathe it. From researching the most haunted destinations to planning unforgettable journeys, I'm here to make your travel dreams a reality. Whether you're seeking the thrill of a haunted location or craving a getaway to somewhere a little less spine tingling, I've got you covered. And here's the best part, my services are absolutely free. Let me put my travel skills to good use by helping you plan the perfect escape. Simply visit yourhauntedholiday.com and click on the Travel Agency by Lisa link at the top of the page in the menu. So where will your next adventure take you? Let's make it a journey you'll never forget. Contact Your Haunted Holiday Travel Agency today and let's start planning. Your adventure awaits. So obviously this horrible thing has happened in this home and they've actually kept the house pretty original. So they haven't made a ton of updates to it and they use the house for paranormal tours during the day as well as at night because it is notoriously haunted, Lindsay. There, if you go to YouTube, I mean, I thought about playing some of the EVPs um, where they've actually recorded voices of children and, and things like that, or even some videos. There are so many. So I'd encourage you, if you're interested, go online and look those up to YouTube. There are so many, and I'll, I'll look uh, for some of the main ones, and I'll actually post those on our website for you guys at yourhauntedholiday.com. But some of the main things that you do want to look for while you are there, the big one is obviously going to be children's voices. They have a lot of like rubber balls and stuff in the hallway that um, you can actually try to play and by rolling them along the floor. And a lot of times they'll actually push them back. There's some videos of that happening online. Another really big one are doors closing particularly the closet door in the guest room will close on its own. So if you leave it open and keep an eye on it, 
it may actually close right before your face. That's one of the big ones. So there's good spirits there, the family that were murdered, but there's also apparently an evil presence still in the home. And this evil presence, they think, is the killer, which is so interesting because the killer did not die at the home, right? But they say that he is still tied to that location. And I would think if you did something so horrible, you know, it, even if you didn't die there, you do have some connection to this home, right? I think there's uh, plenty of other ghost stories out there of people who passed away, you know, at the hospital or something like that, but then they continue to haunt their family home or a place that they had a really close connection to while they were living. So I think that makes sense. And there's a lot of reports of EVPs as well of that, the killer essentially in that home as well. And apparently just really bad energy, having the feeling of being watched and shadows are the main things that you're going to look for, but very, very active activity, things moving. All right, and Lindsay, we just talked about the history of the place, and this is a place that I have always wanted to go to, but I never have. And I thought, there's got to be someone where I live, because it's not that far from Omaha, which is where I live and you used to live, Lindsay, that has been to the Velisca Axe Murder House. And then I thought, my gosh, Janine, one of my best friends from work, she told me that she had stayed the night at the Velisca Axe Murder House. And I don't think, you know, she has really told me a lot of details about it. So this will be our first time getting some of the information from Janine on what her experience was like. So I'm going to go ahead and welcome Janine. Welcome and thank you for joining the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited that we know somebody that's been there. So why don't you tell us, did you have to wait to to go? Was there like a waiting period in order to be able to book the house? I've heard rumors that you might have to book it up to a year in advance. Yeah, we did have to. We booked this probably. This was, I was back, I, I visited the house back in November of 2003 is when we went. So it's been many years. And even then, um, we booked probably in the summertime and we were actually the last visitors who spent the night for that for the season that season because they are not open in the winter um we were the last ones to visit the house back in uh, 2003 so it was right before thanksgiving in november of 2003 that we were there so it was probably a little bit chilly then is, is the house heated very chilly no so the house is restored to its original condition at the time that the murders took place so there is no electricity there is no heat um so we it was very cold we did have to bundle up um, with lots of layers bring drop blankets things like that um no space heaters because obviously there's no electricity or anything like that in there so it it, it was very cold I don't know about that, Janine. I got to say, you have guts to go there. <laughs> I've also heard about um, the running water. Is there no running water? Where do you go to the bathroom? So at the time that we visited, that is correct. There is no, There was no running water. Um, there was an outhouse outside, like your traditional outhouse. Um, they have since upgraded, and I haven't been there for many years, but I've heard that 
since that they have upgraded um, an outdoor area that does have running water tanks and that sort of stuff. So they kind of upgraded their outhouse area. But at the time, there was just the outhouse, which was very scary to go out in the dark to go to the restroom. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd be, I mean, not only the ghosts, but the spiders. Uh, I was just going to mention that I've wanted to always go, and I was about to say, deal breaker, no running water. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. So I'm glad to hear. (laughs) Yeah. So when you did arrive, did they give you a tour and tell you about the history, or was it just like, all right, there you go, you're in the house? So when we arrived, we uh, met at the house, and we met the owner of the property at the time, Uh, And he gave us a tour of the house, gave us a story, um, the history of everything, showed us and um, the upstairs, the bedroom, the um, downstairs bedroom, and, you know, told a tale as we were kind of going through the tour on the house. And then um, he left and said, we'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) All right. And I am going to ask you this now before we even get into, like, you know, what your experience was at the house. Did you plan on actually sleeping in the house? Are there beds for you to sleep in? Or did you book like a Holiday Inn Express down the street or something? No, so it's, you stay up all night. There are beds in the house, but they're the original beds or have been restored to back to that sort of time. So, I mean, there was the parents' bedroom. They had a bed. There were the kids' beds and then the two beds downstairs where um the friends of the family were saying you don't sleep while you're there it's sort of like you're up all night investigating hanging out waiting for something to happen kind of a thing oh okay interesting that makes because i am not sleeping in one of the original beds i can tell you that no (laughs) nope never um all right so i gotta give you some props because i started you know looking up the history of this place and i knew that it was there was some kind of axe murder just based on the name of the location, but I really had no idea that it was going to be eight people killed mm-hmm. via, you know, a murderer with an axe that was never caught. To me, that's like another level of scary haunted. Yeah. And when you entered the house, what was your your initial feeling with the group? Were you scared? Was it good? That was probably uh, my first time doing anything of, of like that. And so I, I didn't know really what to expect or what was in store for us. I had heard the tales and the stories and those things. The the house is very small. Well, one in the neighborhood that it sits in, it is, you know, it's the original house and it hasn't been, you know, modernized in any way, but the neighborhood around it has evolved. And so it looks, it sticks out like a sore thumb and it's just sort of, creepy when you first look at it but when you walk inside very dark very old because everything is the original from that time and you walk in and there is the kitchen area and um, downstairs there was like a living room or a parlor and that's you know we spent a lot of time just sitting in there and kind of just talking we packed a cooler brought some food and you know kind of did those types of things but um, I was fine downstairs. I did not like the upstairs area, and that sort of gave me really bad vibes. Because um, the, the story goes that you know the, the family was out at an event, I believe, at the church or something, and they came home, went to bed, and someone was hiding in the attic, which is um, upstairs, right in between the two bedrooms, so the parents' bedroom and then the, their children's bedroom. Um, and I did not like 
being upstairs. We were up there for the tour and I knew right away that I did not like it and I got out of there right away. And I probably only went up there one other time and I could not bring myself to go into the attic just because I didn't like the way that it was making me feel. So when you say the way it was making you feel, can you elaborate a little bit? Was it like a heavy feeling? Was it, um, I don't know, what, 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 how would you describe it? It was almost um, like my heart started to race a little bit and I just felt very uncomfortable with in my surroundings. You know, when you, when you go someplace, like downstairs, I was totally fine. I felt great being downstairs. Upstairs made me very nervous and sort of anxious a little bit and just sort of on edge. Yeah, which to me really tells me that something's probably going on there, right? Because if you're feeling fine in one area of the house and then you move yeah. to another area of the house, what's the difference mentally, right? Like people were murdered in both of those sections of the home. You know what I mean? And right. So, yeah, I, I totally understand that where you enter a place and you can just kind of feel that sensation of, you know, your heart racing. I've, I've absolutely had that happen before. So did anybody, did you see anything move? I know some of the things people talk about is the kids like to play with balls and toys in the house. Did you guys try to stir any of that kind of action up? Oh yeah, we did. So um, people had left balls or um, there was balloons in some of the rooms, which, a, you know, a balloon's going to move on its own anyways. It's pretty light, but we tried, you know, we sat up in the, um, in the bedroom that was upstairs um, and tried. And a lot of people spent a lot of time, I went with a group of girls um, from work at the time, and a lot of them spent a lot of time upstairs trying to do that stuff. I didn't spend very much time upstairs because I didn't like it, but um, we, we tried to sit in the bedrooms, trying to talk to them, trying to get them to move things, to give us a sign that, you know, was there somebody here with us? You know, your traditional questions that you ask um, to try and provoke some sort of activity. Um, and then downstairs in the bedroom where the two friends were sleeping, that in that room too, we tried. Um, there was a closet in that room and some reports had said that if you stand with your back to the closet, you can kind of feel like somebody touch you or those types of things. So we tried to do all the things that we had heard in the stories to see if we could get any um, activity. Unfortunately, we never saw anything or never experienced anything um, during my time that I was there, we stayed up all night, but nothing, nothing came through. Unfortunately or fortunately, right? Because <laughs> true. I've, been true. Doing, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of research on it and they're supposed to be the good ghosts. I, I don't know if that's a, <laughs> the right term. The good ghosts, which are the children, the family members that had this tragic experience happen. And then Right. There's a lot of reports of an evil spirit there, and they think that it's actually the murderer that's presence is still tied to that house. And that's what really freaks me out about going to the Velisca yeah. Axe murder house. You know, before my research on it, I was all about going. I, I've been trying to get people to go there for years, and it just hasn't happened. You know, I haven't been able to to get somebody to agree to go with me. And now I kind of understand why, although I'm still down to do it. One of these days, we'll, we'll all have to take a trip back to the Velisca Axe murder house. But that really freaks yeah. me out, that this yeah. crazy murderer yeah. is probably in that house. Right. I've seen some videos of uh, people ghost hunting in that, that house, and I've 
um, seen some pretty compelling evidence of like balls rolling across the floor of you know EVPs sounds like children um, so it sounds like it's a really active place but you just can't predict you know something actually happening so I'm not surprised that somebody going there for one day maybe just didn't experience anything that saw or heard something but you did have a feeling of something no doubt oh yeah crazy so it was yeah it was an interesting experience for sure and and you know you I guess when you say I wanted something to happen I I do because I want to experience that but then again I don't want to be freaked out to the point where <laughs> I don't I want to be traumatized or anything like that Right. I wonder how many people have experienced something and just left. You know what I mean? Like didn't finish yeah. their, the whole night. I bet that that happens quite a bit. Overall, it sounds like it was an adventure and a fun adventure, like a girl's trip kind of thing. Would you recommend it for other people to do if I wanted to go? Is that something? You oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would totally go back again and uh, check it out, see how... Um, because that's sort of like that was my first time ever doing anything like that and I do enjoy doing those things and visiting you know places that had that sort of history or stories and those types of um activity going on so I would totally go back uh and do it again all right well we're gonna have to get it scheduled and next time we'll see something hopefully maybe <laughs> I don't know I'm a little freaked out but we'll definitely have to <laughs> schedule some trips uh some girls trips to some of these future haunted locations. Thank you so much, Janine, for joining us. Again, we want to interview you guys if you've had experiences somewhere or get your story written to us at yourhauntedholiday at gmail.com. We really appreciate you joining us and telling us all about the scoop. I think that's a great story because she didn't experience anything haunted, but she did have those, you know, feelings of just, I do not want to go up there, which it's a common feeling in the home. I think it really does apply to what a lot of people say they feel. They feel very much, you know, just this ominous, I don't like it kind of thing when they enter. But her story is great. And that's the thing you got to remember. When you go to these places, it's not like, well, there's a ghost. It can take time and you're not guaranteed to see one. But regardless, it's always, always an adventure and a fun story to tell afterwards. So the tours at the Velisca Axe Murder House, there are a couple different ones that you can do. There are day tours. Those are primarily, from my understanding, in the summertime. They're only $10 for adults, $5 for children age 7 to 11. Not sure I would recommend that, but maybe might be a little gruesome. A little dark. Yeah, a little dark. Um, but also only $5 for seniors, Lindsay. If you're a senior, 65 or older, you get a discount of 50% on that price. So seniors, go live it up at the Velisca Axe Murder House on that day tour. Um, the other type, and I would say the one that I hear about the most is going to be the overnight tour of the home. And it is $428 and that's for one to six guests. So the first six guests cost $428. Any additional guests, so if you want to take a seventh person or an eighth person, they cost an additional $75 for each person. Now, they do recommend on the website that 10 is probably the max. This is not a large estate or a mansion. It's a pretty small home. So if you bring 
you know, more than 10 people, you are going to be jam-packed in there. The other thing I would say, you know, after talking to Janine and some additional research online, this is not a place that you are probably going to sleep. You are probably going to stay awake the whole night. So if you are on a road trip, for example, and you say, let's go ahead and book that Velisca Axe murder house for our drive through the country one night, be prepared because you're not going to sleep very well. I believe I've heard that the beds are actually original beds, probably not the mattresses, right? Because those I'm sure were covered in blood, but the frames themselves may be original. I'm not positive about that, but it sounds like it. And I'm certainly not going to sleep in that bed. You um, say it like they're just booking a hotel for the drive. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's definitely not that. <laughs> no, that's what I, that's exactly what I'm trying to say that this is a place that you go to because you're planning on pretty much staying up all night and ghost hunting. This is not a place where you're going to have your continental breakfast waiting for you and a very comfortable bed with nice pillows. This ain't it. This isn't the Marshall House. No, that's a that's a good reference, Lindsay, because the Marshall House is such a great ghost hunt, but it's also a place you're going to be pretty comfortable. You know, I, I was very comfortable the whole time. I slept through it all almost. Um, I was looking at the calendar, and when we're talking here and recording our, our show, we're in January, and so they do have a calendar online where you can actually book certain dates and it looked like there were quite a few weekend openings most people are obviously going to be booking on like a friday saturday or sunday and that's where i see most of the bookings but during the winter it does appear that there's quite a few slots potentially open for you to to look at now it does start to book up a little bit more heavily in the summertime and for example like i was looking at august and most of the weekends on August are already booked up, and that's eight months out. But like weekdays, if you're able to do a weekday, it looks like there might be some openings there. Now, I don't know if there's certain days that they're just closed and won't allow you to book it. That's totally possible. But there were some that you that you might be able to get into. So this is a place you really want to plan ahead of time. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Our next episode is going to be launched on Sunday. So we're going to start releasing these weekly on Sunday night. So you can look for that and it will be ready for your morning commute on Monday. If you do have an experience or a story, send us an email to yourhauntedholiday at gmail.com or go to the website and you can find links and things that we shared with you on the show. Thanks for listening. Please give us five stars and make sure you subscribe to the show.